and welcome to the Cersei Institute Podcast Network. You are listening to The Mason Jar, and I am David Kern. And as always here on The Mason Jar, I'm joined by Cindy Rollins. Cindy, how's it going? It's going very well. And how, how's it going for you? Did you actually move today? Is that, did no, that we, happen? We closed on a house today. Oh, okay, okay. And we move in the next week. So we'll be okay. doing some wow. paint, some painting and some things like that. Yeah. yeah. So that is a little bit crazy. Yeah. Plus just a, tons of projects with Cersei and events coming up and all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. I hear baseball, baseball has been going on with you. What's how, how, yeah. how are the tournaments going? So far, so good. We won our regionals, and um, we had used up all our pitching, our, our, our first pitcher, our second pitcher. So when we got to the final game, we um, they put Alex in, who's a sophomore, uh, for the for the turn the, the playoff game, and and he and he he pitched the entire game, seven innings. Wow! And he, he they won, we won, and he did a really really good job of pitching. So we were ecstatic, ecstatic because we're losing a couple of these senior pitchers, and it's nice to know Alex is coming along where he can where he'll he'll be available next year too so now monday night we have you know we start all over on the next uh cycle of tournament games okay so is um is his primary position pitcher or does he like to play other positions better he's a shortstop and then he pitches and i I don't know which he likes better he's a pretty good shortstop and he's a pretty good pitcher so um we'll we'll see what happens do you prefer to watch him play in the field and hit or do you prefer to watch him pitch uh yeah well they, well they hit even when they pitch at that age so oh, okay yeah that's um, right that's right yeah he, his hitting is not his strong point but his he he's extremely fast so it doesn't have to be he gets on base a lot yeah, from running yeah. so it's it's super fun to watch him run and it's also really fun to watch him in the field he's he's very um it's just fun to watch. Alex is a fun player to watch. So he always plays with heart. And um, yeah. I, I, I don't like pitch. When he pitches, I feel more nervous. I guess my blood pressure goes up more when the whole game <laughs> seems to be on him. Yeah, yeah. My kids just play t-ball, so there's no pitching involved. Oh, yeah. It's not coach pitched. It's actually like the T. And the, well, they, um, do, they do some coach pitching. Like depending on which team they play and if the coaches want to do it, they'll coach pitch a little bit. But really <laughs> it's like the league is on the T. Um, so, you know, the, uh, Jeremiah likes to hit it off the tee. Actually, he likes to hit it out of the air, but, um, he is better the coach pitch. I mean, at the tee. are you having these like 30 run games or do they like put a, put a stop? No. To- so they, they put a stop. So basically, um, the game works that once they go through the entire order in an inning, they they stop the inning. Oh, good idea. Yes. So there's not a, it makes the games go way faster. Otherwise it'd be awful. But the, you know, the kids just, they're not, the hitting's not really the issue. Like they hit like normal little kids do. But the problem is a lot of the kids just are not capable at throwing the ball to the bases. (laughs) Right. Right. So that can go on and on and on as they, they, as people keep running and they keep throwing. And and half the time they have no idea exactly which base to throw it to at this point. You know, four-year-olds are still getting all that. So. Right, right. It's so fun to watch them, though. It really adds a lot of laughter. They have made a big jump, though, I will say, in um, their understanding of the game um, and, and just like their awareness of what to do. That, you know, from the beginning of the year to, to the, there's only two games left to now, there's been a big jump. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I love T ball. I mean, there's no, skill wise, it's not that important, but it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun to see them. And they just, you know, just seeing them run around and and like learn to like the game and all that is fun 
And then if you watch baseball on TV, after they have that a little bit of experience, they'll pick up, they'll start imitating a little bit. Yeah, yeah they'll start to... That works kind of back and forth. Get a sense of the nuances of it. Mm-hmm. Well, we are here to answer some listener questions. We've got three questions for this month, um, a couple of them focusing especially on morning time, which is one of your areas of expertise, shall we say. But before we get into that, I want to say a quick word from our sponsor, uh, Roman Roads Media. If you have been listening for the last uh, month and a half or so, you know about Roman Roads Media. They're good friends of ours. Um, And they are publishers of classical Christian curriculum designed for homeschoolers and homeschool co-ops. And they're back with another giveaway. Uh, So... They're going to be giving away one of the 16 units from West Callahan's Old Western Culture Series, a high school video course that they produce that guides you through the great books of Western civilization. It's got workbooks, discussion questions, and readers, and West Callahan draws from decades of teaching experience as he tells the story of Western Civ, integrating history, literature, theology, politics, philosophy, and much more. So here's how you can enter that giveaway. When we post this episode on the Cersei Facebook page, so the actual main Cersei Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash Cersei Institute, just leave a comment underneath that post post or on that post or however you want to put it saying which unit of the old western culture series you would choose if you win and you can browse their catalog the available titles at romanroadsmedia.com and you can learn more about them and about wes and about the good work they're doing there and then uh so post that under the facebook post or post your comment under the facebook post and then three days later they will choose one of those comments at random to uh to be the winner so if you want to participate in that, check that out. Thanks to them for sponsoring and making the show possible. And learn more about them. Support them over at romanroadsmedia.com. All right, Cindy, let's answer some questions. Yeah, before you start, I'm outside on the porch. Can you hear that traffic going by every once in a while? Or is that I, okay? I, I did. I think I did hear it, but it's hard to tell. Okay, I it's tell raining. It so yeah, okay. Well, it's just that's a good that's a good image. Cindy out on the porch it, while it's yeah. raining around her, like it just sounds kind of idyllic and how it should be, right? Yeah, it's really pretty out here. So except for the occasional cars. Well, you know, we live in an age when there's cars. So what can you do about it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so the first question here is about Charlotte Mason's the the volumes that she wrote the series, um, right? And and it's should we read Charlotte Mason's volumes in a particular order? Should we read them one through six or whatever it is, or is there an order that you recommend in particular? How how would you respond to that? Yeah, there's a lot of nuances to that question, and there's been a lot of discussion going on out uh, out in the greater Charlotte Mason world. Now I haven't been participating in that, nor even actually reading it, but I since I. I do have opinions about it. I thought I would uh, um, add my two cents worth. Um, I think what, what where the problem starts is that many, many people, um, of course, most of us are little OCD and we like to start things at the beginning. You know, you start with volume one, at, which is home education. And, you know, you don't get to volume six um, till much, much later. And m- many people maybe never get to volume six. But what we have with volume six is... Um, Charlotte Mason's views at the end of her career, um, after maybe 30 or 40 years of teaching, um, she's taken all these ideas that in volume one, many of them were very idealistic ideas that she had. Um, And in volume six, we see a much more tempered uh, um, um, view of of her own ideas. Okay, here's what we have now here. Here. Here is the um, the older woman's uh, philosophical wisdom rather than the complete um, idealism of the younger woman. And, and for some people, uh, Wendy Capehart says this on um, Ambleside Online, that can be a little bit discouraging 
But on the other hand, it, it, it's also very encouraging. So if you're, if you're, I always think that if you're, if you're not sure you're going to be able to read all her volumes, all, read volume six first. Um, it, it is her, um, what is it, Magnus, magnum opus. And it's definitely the book to read. It gives you a complete overview of all her ideas uh, but, with, but it's not specifically tailored to just home education or just school education or just parenting. And, and, sh- and many of the chapters she wrote to people who had never heard of her and to people who um, – so, so it's a great um, roundup of her ideas. So I highly recommend that you read Volume 6 and not to miss Volume 6. Now, if you want to start with Volume 1, there's nothing wrong with Volume 1. It's a wonderful book. And um, I think by all means, I, I hope everyone will read it. Um, and, and volume two, one is home education. So she's talking about young children or our parents work at nanny type situations. And then she's talking about parents and children in the next volume. So parenting. And then in the third volume, she talks about school education. And that is also a great um, volume if you really are in the nitty gritty of schooling your children and you're, you're wanting some nitty gritty ideas. Um, then we have ourselves, which is um, more of um, kind of her own Pilgrim's Progress, you could say, uh, much more dealing with character. It's the story is the story of Mansell and then the formation of character. One of the things I'm running up against that I would disagree with is um, that um, there are people that look at Charlotte at this point in time as an icon and almost really as a spiritual icon so that her words. So if she's writing volume one and if she's filled with the Holy spirit, then um, that volume is just as valuable as volume six, which she brought more wisdom to the table in volume six. than she did in volume one, you could say, um, because there's kind of a sense that she was um, that, that her words are almost scriptural. You could say that they're inspired. And since I don't believe that, I believe that she was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but I don't think because her, I don't believe her words are scripture. Um, I don't believe um, her actual words are um, in one word, uh, you know, like they're equally valuable because um, they're, they're straight from God. I, I think that's a miss. Did she write? Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Did she write them? much like was the sixth one written much later than the first one yes it was it was at least 30 years possibly 40 years so there really was a lot of experience that went into you know that sixth one that she hadn't had when she started writing no she wrote the first one um straight out of um you i would say school because she wasn't really she didn't really go to school for very long but she was a very fresh young teacher she had she already had the seeds of of her of many of her ideas that she would become known for. And later when she wrote the preface to the volume, uh, she would, you know, there was this, after so many years, they would have a new one and she'd write a new preface. And um, you can really see um, her interacting with her own material in those um, prefaces that she added later. Uh, but, but yeah, no huge amount of time um, difference in between um, the, the first volume and the sixth volume. Um, are they very different style wise? Not really. I think, I do think that when you get to volume one, 
she gets into a lot of different philosophies. She brings in, you know, um, you know, all these different teachers, all these different um, ways of thinking, which we, which are extremely interesting. But uh, people do get bogged down in, in some of the things that she's talking about, especially as they're um, they're so um, Victorian, you would say they're so they're so uh, key to that day and age. But by the time you get to volume six, you see much less of that. It's much easier to read, I think. And it's it, it's certainly well thought out after 40 years of thinking. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is is Which is the hardest one, would you say, to read? Well, I mean, I have a hard time with the whole... I mean, I, I, I think... Um, I think... Man, I, I'm not really sure. I would say maybe Parents and Children is hard to read. Um, I think home education is a little bit difficult, and that's why people uh, freak out. They start reading it, and then they give up on Charlotte Mason, and so I hate to see that. Uh, I I am not—the formation of character is not my favorite volume because um, I just—I had so many um, negative feelings about character training from my own um pathway that I was going with my kids that that it made me very it made it very hard for me to read but otherwise it's not it's certainly much wisdom there and all her volumes have wisdom it's just that um but but it's been a while since I read formation of character Um, my kid I had the kids read ourselves ourselves is very readable it's not the, it's not a page turner like a story that's a page turner, but it has mm-hmm. a lot in it, and it's easy to hand to your children and let them read. Hmm. Starting at what age? Uh, I forget what age. Um, I think 12, 12, or high school. High school is okay. is a good age. Um, okay. It's not. I think maybe I started it in seventh or eighth grade, but I I did it in a typical Charlotte Mason way. Very very short lessons, mostly. Uh, according to the Ambleside um, schedule, which, which has you go through that book for a long, long time. Hmm. So just to summarize this question, then start with number six and then don't worry too much about the rest. (laughs) Well, start with number six and then go back to where you are in time. If your children are school age, then start with school education. If they're very, very young, um, start at the beginning and go that way. and, and, And you'll glean a lot from doing that. Yeah. Okay. But um, I think it would you'd be better off um, starting. I would prefer people start with volume six, get a firm handle on her philosophy, and then go from there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk two questions about morning time then. Okay. So here's a question: Is morning time necessary in a Charlotte Mason education or a classical education? Yeah, you know that is such a funny question because um, I, I I don't I don't know what it is about our culture that we're living in now that that we get from the, here's a good idea here's something that worked in my family to do you have to to have a morning time to be a Charlotte Mason educator or a classical educator and um, that's just such a silly question I mean I don't mean the person who asked it is silly but. It's astounding to me that that's where we end up with um, this question. Do I have to do this to be legit? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is no um, no way that um, you have to have a morning time uh, to, to be a Charlotte Mason educator or a classical educator. Though I feel like if you have a large family or if you have a certain family structure, that's going to make it a lot easier. And, and what worked in my family when, when nothing else would work. So I I have a lot of confidence in morning time, but I I, I don't know why, um, 
since since I wrote about morning time on my blog years and years and years ago, and then a lot of other people have come along and started talking about uh, morning time. Um, Don Garrett talks about morning time a lot. Uh, uh, Pam Barnhill. And th- these are really, really wonderful resources. I always love Pam's stuff. She does such a great job. So, so I, and I know they're not putting that on people, but I guess when something becomes popular, a lot of people are doing it. Then somebody comes along and thinks, well, hey, I don't, that didn't work in my family. I didn't like that. Why do I have to do that? Well, you don't. You don't have to do it, and you shouldn't feel pressure. Uh, you should, you should, you should do what works in your family, because the truth of the matter is. That if children are born persons, and if you as a mother are born person, born a person, then um, then you are perfectly free to work out your homeschool, um, taking all the um, the information that's out there and making it in um, to what you would like it to be or what you hope it to be. And there's no, there should be no pressure on you to conform to if if our students are persons. Then, then we're not going to be able to find any sort of input output for the perfect person. How do we create? Because our children are not machines. We're not going to be able to guarantee the outcome. We're, we don't know. Um, we, nobody who has um, come up with great ideas for homeschooling can say, and I promise that this will help you have this particular outcome. We hope it will. We hope that, you know, this worked in my family. I hope it works in your family. It seemed like a good idea. But um, there are no guarantees. It, that's because children are born persons. Uh, we aren't outcome-based people. If we're in classical education, we're definitely not. And if we're in a Charlotte Mason education, we're not because we believe that children are born persons. So morning time is not going to guarantee anything for you. Um, but And not doing it is not going to guarantee. So you're free um, as a free person to do what you like in your family and what works best for your family. Hmm. Oh, I had a question and I forgot what it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the time of day when the brain shuts down, I think. Yeah. Yeah. On a Friday. So, um, do you, I mean, I guess the thing about morning time is like it involves so many different kinds of things too. Yeah. It's, I mean, so, it could be anything really. So you don't have to, if it's not working in a one specific way for your home or there's too much pressure behind it, or you just can't find the time or for whatever reason, then you can, it could easily be adjusted or it's not like there's one specific formula to doing morning time, quote unquote, right. Absolutely. Not none at all. I mean, um, I, I threw a lot of things in, um, that little morning time booklet that we yeah. sell and, yeah. um, you know, most people aren't going to be able to start out doing all those things. Um, the, some, there are going to be seasons in life where you do some and then you do not, don't do others and seasons where, you know, this drops off and you don't even remember why it dropped off. You forget that you forget this. You know, I heard a mom say we were doing so well with this last year. Uh, some some particular thing I can't remember what it was, and she says I don't know why we quit. We I just somehow I forgot and we didn't add it back in. Yeah. So so it's very fluid. Um, morning time should be very very fluid. So it should really work in most families because there's it's not a set. Oh, this is the only way to do it. This is the best way um, to do it. Um, it's not it, it's not like that at all. It, it's it's a framework, and, and it should have. The, it's it's the bones and whatever you clothe it with it should be completely um, individualized to your family mm. yeah 
to, you know, families are living organisms. So sometimes and, you yeah, have to. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like families are born persons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they are their own living organism. That's a really good way to put it. Well, okay. One other question on morning time before we uh, close this, this uh, Q&A episode down. Um, this, this question is, is morning time too heavy on what is called the riches, you know, quote, the riches? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that term, I don't know when that started to become popular, but I know there were, um, I, I've had conversations with Wendy Capehart and I've had conversations with Lynn Bruce there on the Ambleside Advisory, and they were using that term. And I, I know other people have used that term, but it, it's become kind of a cliche term to 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 include all the, um, the, the art and the music and all the things that are likely to go by the wayside, um, singing and poetry. Um, that are quite possibly get pushed aside in, in a very um, curriculum-heavy uh, school where, you know, you have to get this, this, and this done. Well, where are you going to fit those things in? So there, those things are called the riches. And the worry is that because um, morning time is technically in the morning in my family, it, there's nothing that says it has to be in the morning, but that you are doing all those things in the morning instead of spreading them out over the day. Well, the biggest thing about that, the biggest thing about spreading them out over the day is uh, most homeschooling moms know that whatever you're going to spread, the further and further you get from the very early morning, the less and less likely um, something is to happen. You, I mean, you have no idea what, no idea <laughs> what disaster awaits you as you go throughout <laughs> the day. When somebody's going to need stitches, or when you're going to have to go to the doctor, or what, what's going to interrupt your day? I mean, there there are myriads of things. That's why I always like to start <laughs> with math first because. You know, math is something that's sequential, and you need to kind of keep going at a, a pace, a steady pace to do it. So I always started uh, school with math, and then morning time, even though we didn't usually finish math before morning time, at least we got started. So, uh, yeah. so you don't have to do every bit of the riches every day. Like, you might do picture study one morning and then um, composer study another morning, but the, the worry is that you're not interspersing it with the harder subjects. But really, um, there are some difficult subjects in morning time there, but they're, they're all spread out uh, as short lessons. So you're doing some memory work and then you might be doing some art. Uh, looking you, When the mom's reading aloud, the children can be drawing in their nature notebooks. So I really feel like the riches are spread through morning time and spread throughout the week so that it isn't top heavy at all. But the, the real reason that I did morning time that way and why if you had a small family, you, you certainly wouldn't and, and you were sure of your days and you're and not a whole lot of things interrupted your rhythm because in a large family, there are lots of interruptions. That's just the, the nature of the beast. But if you didn't, if your days went pretty steady and you could spread things out, then there's no reason why you, you couldn't take those things out of morning time and intersperse them in your day. But for our day, if you start with math. Then, um, then the riches is a diversion um, from from the math, and then you do a few a, a, one of the riches, if you want to call it that, and then you you do some memorization, and then you do some reading aloud and some narrations, and then you know you can pull out your nature notebooks while mom's reading. So I I feel like that criticism, while I understand the the um, point behind it, and I don't disagree with it. 
I, I think that the danger of losing those things is great enough that it over it, it, it trumps that that concern, especially for a large family. Hmm. What what when people talk about the riches, can you just clarify exactly like what they mean by that? Like why yeah, yeah. why specifically is that something that people complain about in morning time? Yeah, I think that what they're saying is, is the riches being, um, I'm, I'm not sure what all somebody would include in the riches, but in my little book on morning time, I talk about that sort of thing as being the thing that most likely gets set aside. If we're, if we're doing, if we're, we're, if we're pulling out our curriculum and we're doing math and Latin and writing and grammar, and if we're looking at our school that way, then the riches is, are all the things Shakespeare and Plutarch and and art study and picture study and composer study and folk songs. It's all the things that really don't necessarily belong in a traditional curriculum. It's, it, they're not extras. We certainly wouldn't say that they're extras. And maybe that's why the word riches came into being. But, but they're the things that are um, more deeply, um, maybe more spiritual in a way, and more, um, more tied to that left brain, which I, I feel like that... Um, the left brain thing has actually been debunked, I think, at this point in time. But anyway, um, if if we didn't have that debunked, <laughs> we could we could we could say those things that would be left brain things, things that are more um, handy. Handicrafts is another thing that might be considered the riches. Now, you could easily do um, handicrafts in morning time. Um, our students do that now. One of my students uh, works on handicrafts while while we read in the morning. But um, that would certainly be something that uses a different part of the brain. And using a different part of the brain is kind of like a rest. But I honestly think that's what morning time is. It's using one part of the brain and then another part of the brain and then another part of the brain and then another. I, I think it naturally intersperses those things so that you are getting a rest. Uh, a, you know, the whole idea of a change is better than a rest. Yeah. It seems to me that the question kind of, Maybe, maybe I'm reading into this, but it seems to me that the question implicitly is saying, is morning time like too much fun stuff? Yeah, that's a good, yes. Okay. There As you opposed go. to like, is it too much? Is there not enough like discipline or enough work or enough, um, you know, whatever, whatever word you want to use for things like that? Like, is it not academic enough or something like that? Is that, am I reading into that or is that what you well, gather from? Well, I think from... that there is that. I don't, I think the people that originally um, like um, spoke, I know Wendy at the Ambleside Convention spoke about that. Her ri original idea was, um, no, not that, that you shouldn't have too much fun stuff, but that the fun stuff should be uh, between in between the hard stuff. So you hard, easy, hard, easy, or things your student is likely to enjoy interspersed okay. yeah. with things. But I do think there is that too. Um, you could say the riches are the fun stuff. And, and that's why they're a diversion, um, because mm. they're more fun. They're not, they don't tax your brain as much. You might enjoy, uh, looking at the picture. You might enjoy the music and, and, and those are more fun, sure, than, than actually studying the Greek or Latin roots or, you know, some of these other things that you could do. But, and I, I could see that criticism being like, oh, you're, and, and there is that when you say, does morning time take up too much time in your day? How do you fit it in? Well, that is a true criticism because it does take up a lot of time. And that's the question you have to ask yourself. Are these things, these riches, these fun things that you might want to call them, are they worth that amount of time? 
taking away from more more strenuous, rigorous, uh, our, your typical uh, curriculum choices. And, and, and that's the question each family has to wrestle with is how much time is too much. And for me, I, I don't mind saying that almost no, I would say up to two hours is fine for morning time because, um, because you're, you're, you're never going to regret that time. You're never, ever going to go back and say, wow, we just spent way too much time on morning time. Why didn't we, um, spend more, on Latin? Why do we spend more hours on math? Um, you know, you're still, you're still going to do those other things, but you might have to do them in shorter lessons and you might have to do them in a different way. But, um, uh, cause you don't want to, you know, ruin your children's day by having eight or nine hours of school. But I, I, I can't see a family re- re- neglect, uh, regretting the time that they spend on that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's not like when you listen to music or you're memorizing a poem or something like that, your brain's not actually working. Oh, no, no, no. Your your brain is definitely working. And that that's why I guess I have confidence in that. So um, I don't I don't feel hesitant about how long it takes. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's that's our three questions for this this uh, episode, the Q&A episode of the Mason Jar. Um, any final thoughts you want to add before we sign off? Um, I can't think of any. I don't think I'm having very many thoughts in my head today for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have some thoughts of being sick. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm fighting something off. Always, it's been crazy. I've got sick with like a, something last week, and then this week it's either allergies or a head cold or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. The whole allergy thing is kind of crazy right now. Yeah. Well, um, good luck to Alex and his team as Thank he you. moves on next week. Um, thanks to everyone who has been listening for sending in questions, of course, and uh, leaving reviews, comments, all that kind of stuff, spreading the word. We always appreciate it when you help us discover new listeners or help new listeners discover us. If you haven't subscribed, please do so on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get podcasts from. Um, and um, you'll be seeing some people in Orlando next week. Um, hopefully, if, you've, if you're a Mason Jar listener, stop by and say hello. Um, Always, oh, love, definitely. always love yeah. to hear from listeners. Yeah, I'd love to talk. If anybody wants to talk, feel free to talk. We'll we'll have a good time in Orlando. Um, and with that, I guess I guess that's it for this week. But uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for joining the conversation over on the on the Mere Motherhood Facebook group. Um, and of course, if you uh, are not receiving the Mere Motherhood email newsletter, you can head over to meremotherhood.com to sign up for that, or cerceinstitute.com to sign up for that as well. Um, for Cindy Rollins, for all of us here at Cersei, thanks so much for listening to the Cersei Institute Podcast Network and especially the Mason Jar. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.